Hello, and welcome to another episode of the SkyTap Podcast. I'm your host, Noel Wurst. For those of you who subscribe to the show, thank you. Welcome back. And for those of you who have not yet subscribed, you should. The easiest way is just to search for the SkyTap Podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud if you prefer, and then click the subscribe button. New episodes are also always published to the SkyTap blog. This week's episode was recorded back at DockerCon 2017 in Austin, Texas, with some friends of ours from Puppet Labs. Tyler Pace and Kanaz Kwa gave a great presentation titled Peering into Black Boxes, What's Really Inside Your Containers? And we had the opportunity to sit down with both of them beforehand to learn a little bit more about why, besides security, it's so important to know what's inside your containers, who should know, and what are some things you can do with that information once you do know. One thing that Dan Jones, SkyTap's Director of Product Management and frequent guest on this show, and I really got to grasp during our conversation, was that when the number of containers in your organization represents a tenfold increase from the number of virtual machines, and that number of containers and the information around what's running inside of them all changes by the second, a lot more than security is at stake. We hope you enjoy this episode of the SkyTap Podcast. So your session here at DockerCon is titled Peering into Black Boxes, What's Really Inside Your Containers? And I was curious just to kind of set a baseline at the beginning to kind of find out what, what drove the need uh, for this session to kind of help people understand what's what's going on as container adoption increases uh, that... that uh, uh, necessitates people understand what's what's going on inside them. Sure. So I think you know there's a lot of um, a, a lot of our customers are facing um, you know the introduction of container technologies and sort of how and facing the the question of you know how am I going to respond to these kinds of new introductions into my data center um, and and so what they're basically trying to do is identify what are the workloads that we're currently running today that might be good fits for containerized containerization. Um, except a lot of that can't necessarily, or you know, at the at the time where that customer is at, they can't necessarily rewrite the whole thing to fit into a container. So we're finding that increasingly we see customers who are packaging existing legacy applications, um, existing uh, type, different types of applications into containers, um, and and that is a great use case for them, and that it helps them a lot. It helps them basically prepackage all their dependencies in, in a common place, but because they're now packaging a larger application rather than, say, a Scratch container or an Alpine container, they're packaging a full CentOS or a full you know, Ubuntu um, operating system into the container, their sort of uh, surface area of attack is larger. And so they're now having to deal with the, you know, the fact that they have a ton of stuff that are potentially running in these containers, and you may or may not know what's actually running inside of them, and that may be, that may be a problem for them. So that's what sort of motivated you know, our talk. You know, so much of the talk around containers is about developers and the focus on developers. And I think ops tends to get left out of the equation or at least gets talked about secondarily. You know, with respect to understanding what's inside the container, who needs to know that and kind of why? Like you mentioned the security concerns and the attack surface area, but what else? So uh, 
in particular, when we talk to container, we like to call them container operators, which you know can either be the developers who have a keen interest in how their application is going to run in production infrastructure because they're trying to squeeze out you know every last ounce of performance, or you know the traditional operations engineer who has to keep this infrastructure up and running 24/7, 365. You know they, on both sides of the house, we're seeing an. In more and more interest in what's running in the container um, because they they share the concerns of the the inputs that software that's going in the you know whether it be custom build or leverage third-party software and libraries that they're using to build and run their applications and knowing that those are both performant they're safe they're they're trusted they meet whatever the uh, local compliance and audit requirements might be for their organization. Um, you know, are there any PCI or HIPAA or other sort of regulatory concerns that, that they need to address with that content? Just like they've been doing for you know years with um, any non-containered application, they still have those same operational and development concerns about the contents, and then you know all the new challenges that you have of trying to run all of these microservice style applications in production infrastructure where you just the surface area of what you're trying to understand and manage is much greater than it was before. So we, we talked earlier about some of the um, the needs for increase or for, or for better security by knowing what's inside of these uh, in the containers. What are some of the other benefits that having better visibility and understanding of what's running in there? Uh, what are some of the other benefits that, uh, that that can be gained by knowing that and are there any other risks outside of security by, by not knowing what's running in there? I think, um, you know, security ends up being obviously a big one. You know, there was a recent study that came out that was like 35% of Docker images have at least one CVE vulnerability in, in them. Um, and so I think that's just caused a big stir. Um, and we're, we're just trying to identify whether, how much of that is real, how much of that is, you know, not real, and it looks to be real. So, you know, we're, we're trying to find the ways to help mitigate that. Um, but from, a, from an operator perspective, it's not necessarily just... Um, security. It's also just making sure that the things that are running in a production environment are the things that I expect to be there. Um, and so proliferation of operating systems, for instance. Um, do you really want, you know, 15 different flavors of Ubuntu and knowing what all the associated packages and, and fixes and patches are with those 15? Or do you want to say, you know, as an operations organization or as an engineering organization, we want to sort of standardize on these two flavors of, of Ubuntu, these two flavors of CentOS. Um, and, and so it can be from a, you know, sort of standards and um, uh, best practices kind of um, um, motivation, um, as well as, you know, from a, from a debugging perspective. Um, as we're seeing, you know, a lot of these uh, techniques for locking down and securing your containers, um, it's no longer so easy to just attach a bash prompt to, to, the, to the container and start just running arbitrary commands. Um, it's, it's likely that that will be prevented and hopefully in the near future. Um, so then how do you actually interact with those containers? Do you have a standard interface that you can run a, a set of known good commands on these containers so that you can kind of know, you know how to work with it, whether or not the services are up, those, kind, those kinds of things. So I'm curious, do the, do the tactics or the remediation tactics and the requirements change between checking out and scanning images where there's the potential for something that bad to happen 
versus containers, which you know they're running, so the threat is even higher. Sure. No. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the analogy that we kind of like to use here is, you know, obviously leveraging some of our the, the shipping abstraction um, is a shipping container versus, say, like a refrigerated shipping container. A shipping container may contain a manifest for the inventory of what's inside of it. But for but there's a lot of potential runtime information that you might want to know from that container, like and in the refrigerated cases, you know, what temperature is it running at? Is it staying at that temperature? Has the, has the cooling mechanism completely blown up and now everything inside is corrupted? Like those are all the types of questions that, that may not be revealed by a, by a static image scan. Um, and so, you know, we, we believe that some, and from the customers that we've talked to, we believe that the operators are interested in understanding what's running in their live containers, um, as well as the idea that because um, these containers have a life cycle, you know, potentially of seconds. Um, and that is, you know, a big difference from the world of VMs, especially the world of physical servers, where you may get a new physical server once a month. Um, you may get a new VM, you know, once uh, every 10, 15, 20 minutes. But you may get a, a new container, like, once every 10 seconds. So from a compliance and audit perspective, you know, if you are going, if you're asked the question, um, you know, what, what version of OpenSSL are you running, you know, Three days ago at four o'clock, you know, whenever we saw that there was a vulnerability, are you able to look across your container estate and say, "Here's exactly what was running at that time," or are you going to be like, "Well, the image says this. I went back to my my logs in Jenkins whenever we built that image, so that was built at this time. Let me grab the SHA. Let me go look into all my containers. Let me go see which ones were running based on the logs that I've pulled up from Kubernetes or you know or Docker Swarm." And then try to really dig down into the depths of it. You know, is there a better way? And so that, that's what some of the questions we're trying to explore. So Tyler, you're a UX architect at Puppet. So you deal a lot with kind of user interaction models, user experience, and understanding what users are trying to do. You know, in the VM world, you know, you're, you deal with a set of VMs. And then in the container world, it's at least one, if not multiple orders of magnitude greater in the number of objects you're dealing with and the complexity of the interactions between those objects. What are some of the challenges that that presents? Yeah, you, you sort of already took, took my, my answer a little bit there. <laughs> so the, you know, the, the two major challenges you know, that we sort of see from the perspective of a user experience person and, and the rest of my team when we sit down and talk about this is, uh, you know, first it's the the proliferation of the number of objects that you're concerned about, and we see this pattern time and again when customers go from physical servers to virtual machines. It's about a tenfold increase. So you know, you might go from 250 physical servers to 2,500 virtual machines, and we're starting to see another tenfold increase as people move to containers. So that 2,500 VMs can become 25,000 containers. That is just a lot of objects to report on. I mean, even a simple question of what versions of operating systems do I have in my environment, getting 25,000 individual responses that could be shifting every few minutes and not in a, a small way where you know, in the virtual machine world, you know, you might decommission 30% of your infrastructure a year, which is only a couple hundred nodes, and you know, that, that's kind of a rolling fleet that updates. 
you know, your containers could be complete turnover of all 25,000 could be in an hour, a day, maybe a couple of days at best, depending on, you know, some slower applications. And so you have just a, a volume of information that is also rapidly changing. And, you know, those are user experience problems, visualization, um, trying to understand even a, a small degree in awareness of what's running in your environment at that scale is, is I think, um, an unsolved problem, not just for us, but I think kind of um, in technology in general, we just don't have great visualizations at scale for data like that yet. So last question I have, you, you both just described really daunting situations and scenarios that people are currently going through and trying to answer just to give you a chance to kind of plug what you'll be talking about in your in your session tomorrow what makes it easier what what's a what's a known way that that you found at puppet where you it doesn't have to sound as as awful that's <laughs> what you both just described yeah exactly um so whenever you are you know now managing twenty five thousand things at once you know what are what are other ways that you can manage those kinds of that kind of volume, um, and and at Puppet, you know, we, in in the core Puppet product, we introduce something called Factor, um, and Factor is basically a, um, a a tool that that runs against an operating system and sort of identifies you know everything that's inside of it the and a bunch of metadata, um, and and I think that point becomes really key is you know the way to manage a large number of things is now by its shared attributes. And we're, we're seeing increasingly that meta, metadata is becoming sort of a first-class citizen in, in the container ecosystem. You now have to say, okay, well, which, which of my 25,000 things share these attributes and take some common action on all of those? And so part of what we'll, we'll be demonstrating tomorrow is the idea of how do you get that information about what's, inside, what's actually inside your containers and what are some ways that you can use that information to, um, to you know, see and identify what, what you don't want to be in there or what you want to potentially remove. So. That's going to wrap up another episode. We hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to have you join us again in the future. Don't forget to search for us on iTunes or SoundCloud where you'll get access to our entire library of previous episodes and to check out our blog to learn more about all things SkyTap and beyond. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for being here. We hope to see you again.